Welcome, everyone, and thank you for listening and subscribing to Behind the Screen. I am your host, JT Kane. I am a violist. I am the Dean of Visiting Faculty and Orchestra Manager with New World Symphony. And I'm here with my good friend, Matt Corey, who is a bassoonist. He is the CEO and the producer of Behind the Screen. And we are here to talk to you guys about auditions, uh, specifically orchestra auditions, which, as you know, take place behind the screen, which is why we call ourselves Behind the Screen. So we just hope that our discussions and our guests will be a resource and an inspiration uh, for anyone who is currently taking auditions or really just interested in the audition process. Did you mean to say that I was the CEO of Behind the Screen? Is that what you intended to say? Oh, yeah. See, you're the CEO of what? Who are you the CEO of? Of Insight for the Blind. Well, I was just saying that you are a bassoonist. You are a CEO. But I will happily accept the title of CEO Maybe of this you podcast. I think it did sound like that. It sounds. Yeah. It did sound like that. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds appropriate. <laughs> See, every single time it's different. I swear. So I'm maybe I should just stop saying it. Well, no, no, you can say CEO for me. Okay, Matt's the CEO. And what are you? He's the CEO of everything. You're the the CFO of behind the screen. Yeah, we don't really want to know what that means. That means there's no damn money. Yeah. Yeah. If we had some income, you would be the one to um, worry with it. <laughs> oh, good. I'll be sure to, to handle it well, uh-huh. and I'll do my, uh-huh. uh, yeah, my due diligence. Yeah, good. Your fiduciary uh, responsibilities. Yeah. This podcast <laughs> is brought to you by Insight for the Blind, a very special recording studio based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where over 100 volunteers produce talking books and magazines for the blind and physically handicapped so that all may read. See for yourself at insightfortheblind.org. And thank you to Insight for the Blind, and thank you for Matt Corey for being the CEO of Insight for the Blind. Very special organization. And BTS. Yeah, and (laughs) BTS. But on this episode of BTS, we have a very, very special guest, and I'd like to welcome Emma Gerstein. Welcome, Emma. Hi. (laughs) We are so glad that you are here. Uh, It's very exciting. Um, The last time... I saw you was, I think, 2016, if that's correct, right? I believe so, yeah. I left New World in early 2016. Yeah. Yeah. And you are currently the second flute of Chicago Symphony, right? That is true. I am. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. But when when you left New World, you went to Auckland, right? Auckland, New Zealand. Yes, I went to the Auckland Philharmonia. Um, I was on a five-month contract as principal flute there. And while I was there, there was an audition for the principal flute permanent position, and I took it, and I got it, luckily. And then um, I was there for about a year and a half total, and then Chicago. So, okay, so that was actually my question, because for auditions, you have to pay them pay for them yourself. You have to do pay for all the travel and all that kind of stuff. So you didn't actually go there for the audition, but you went there to for for a contract to play. Right. Um, they Because New Zealand is obviously a pretty small country. It's pretty far away from big musical, like powerhouse countries, I guess mm-hmm. you could say, like in Europe and the US. So um, they often start by having a national audition. I think Canada does that as well. For positions, and then if they can't right. find anyone, they'll open it up internationally. But because mm. it's so hard to get to New Zealand, they often allow people to send recordings. 
Um, I see. Yeah. So you so you sent a recording of yourself. Yes. Oh, that's interesting though. So that's that's how. So you basically anyone who wanted to, or did they do kind of like a. Did they do, do a search? Did you get asked to to send a recording? I did. Actually, another former New World fellow who I knew, Ingrid Hagen, um, is principal oh. bassoon there. And she knew me and she reached out and said, hey, we're doing what they call an expression of interest. So it's not like a formal <laughs> audition. Um, it's more right. like... Send any recordings of yourself. You can choose. <laughs> send us send anything. Send us anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What did you send them? Um, I actually had um, Roberto at New World help me um, pick out little excerpts of solos I had played at New World. Um, okay. So I remember, I think I played, or I sent um, Peter and the Wolf, because we had done that. I can't even remember what mm-hmm. else. And then I had yeah. done like a CD or a CD. DVD, whatever. <laughs> it wasn't a DVD. Uh, That's so long ago. Um, some kind of video for Aspen maybe the year before. So I used uh-huh. some of those recordings that the audio engineer fellow, Brandon Johnson, had done for me. Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of a smorgasbord of um, of various recordings I could find of myself because it was pretty short notice. So um, is that... Is that is that common though for for an orchestra to do that, or is it really just kind of like maybe something like I don't know, like Auckland, or I mean, because I I have heard some orchestras actually in the United States have asked me, oh, do you do you know somebody who could who could send us some recordings of themselves? We we'd like them to play, but it's not really very common, I would imagine. No, I don't think it's common. I haven't heard about it much here in the US. At least I haven't been invited to participate Mm -hmm. in some kind of thing like that here. But I think just, it's not really on the radar, um, the Auckland Philharmonia, really, in in the US. I don't think people think about it as much as they probably should. They should. It's quite a good orchestra, actually. um, And New Zealand is such a beautiful country. And the hall we played in was amazing. I loved the hall. Really? So, you know, I think people should be thinking about it more, but maybe aren't quite aware of it. They don't see it on the whatever, what's the website called again? Musical Chairs. Oh, music, that, yeah, Musical Chairs. Is that chairs. still a thing? I don't yeah. know. Okay. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. So, and they're not like a, they're not like a, a union orchestra where their, their announcements for, for an opening would be an international musician or something like that. Right, right. Because I don't think they, the musicians are in a union in New Zealand. Um, I could be wrong about that, um, but I didn't have to join a union when I when I got that job. Um, so yeah, it was it was a bit unusual the the way that it ended up happening, um, and I didn't really know what to do at that time about leaving New World early. I was a little bit mm-hmm. worried about if that was the right decision, the wrong decision. Sure, it's a it's a big move. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you're going literally. To the other side of the world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's got to be pretty scary. It was scary. Yeah. But um, my, at the time, boyfriend, who I met at New World, um, Alex Love, Mm -hmm. is Australian. We're married now. Congratulations. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Lots of New World um, romances that turn into marriages, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So he was Australian. I had been to Sydney a few times to visit his family. And so I guess I felt like it wasn't that far away because I had been to that part of the world before. But it was it was still yeah. very far. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, my youngest daughter lives in Australia. She lives in oh, Melbourne. I didn't know that. Yeah. Is she on lockdown right now? <laughs> she is. Yes, she is. Uh, and she's kind of, she's 16, so it's tough yeah. for her. I bet. Um, 
But she's doing good. She loves it there. She says I love she's Melbourne. So yeah. yeah. It's she lives in Victoria. But so. I bet you hardly ever get to see her if she's so far. I yeah, no, I actually um she came for uh for Christmas um this past year. Thank um, goodness. It was great. Yeah. It was really nice because I had her and my, my my oldest daughter and my my mom and dad were all up in New York with my wife. That's really nice. Anyway, this is not about me. Why did this turn into me being about me? I, I didn't know um, that though. That was, that's interesting. Yeah, my wife and I are dying to get to Australia. We we definitely want to go, and then go to New Zealand because of you know we've heard about how beautiful it is, and of course Lord of the Rings. I mean, you got to go see it. Yeah, duh. That's way that literally put New Zealand on the map, right? It did. It did. You see a lot of tourists there with their oh, um, their books and they're doing I'm the sure. whole trip yeah. the whole tour yeah <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about so so you you go to New Zealand you make the decision to go to Auckland you you talk to your orchestra manager who was super kind and said yes you should definitely go <laughs> what a great guy that person was uh gave you such great advice <laughs> the best the best advice uh so so you go there and you're there you said for five months before they actually had the audition um no the contract was initially supposed to be like February to July and the audition was in April. So, so I did the audition during the period of the contract. I thought, you know, I have nothing to lose, but I just had to take a bus literally to get to the audition. So it's like, I'm just going to do it. And it was pretty different from auditions I'd taken in the U S. Yeah. That was going to be my question. Like how, yeah. How are they run versus auditions here? Well, for one, I had to play with piano in every round. Mm hmm. I had to play Mozart with piano. And I actually really liked that. It's much easier to play yeah. with other people oh, sure. <laughs> when you can yeah. hear the other parts going. Absolutely. Um, You're making music instead of just, yeah, instead of just playing. Exactly. And the pianist that I worked with ended up being a really close friend of mine while I was living there. So it really worked out well. I mean, the rounds were kind of similar. There was a prelim, a semifinal, and a final. They couldn't pre-advance me, um, even though I was working there and doing the job because of okay. something in their contract, which I felt actually okay about because it made me feel like I really earned yeah. the position when I got it. Like no one handed it to me because they liked me yeah. or whatever. Right. right. No, that's great. And it's great that they stuck to that. You yeah. know, you gotta be, there's, you know, you gotta be fair. You gotta be equal. Exactly. It's actually, I mean, I, yeah, fair is one thing, but being equal is, is I think so much more important. Definitely. But so, so were these, were your auditions actually behind a screen? Do they do that there? They do. The final round was not, it was, um, okay. the screen, screen came down. Um, but the first two rounds were behind a screen and, you know, now I've done it a few times where you audition for people that you know who are behind the mm-hmm. screen. Um, and it's, it's a little uncomfortable. I think it's in some ways more stressful than just going somewhere random. You don't know anyone. Yeah. You're just going and playing when you're emotionally invested, which I was for CSO as well, because I had subbed there quite a lot. It just makes everything more intense. And you hear a voice saying, you know, something to you after you play and you're like, oh, I know who that is. You know, I took an audition once uh, for an orchestra where my old, my former teacher uh, was, was behind the screen. And after the audition, I don't know why I didn't take a lesson with him before the audition, but I ended up taking a lesson with him after the audition. (laughs) Again, probably why I'm doing what I'm doing now and why you do what you're doing uh, yeah, a little backwards there, but he was actually, he, he told me, he's like, I wrote down on my notes and I thought that was you. Wow. And it was, it, that was my number. 
That's yeah. pretty amazing. He didn't know. Yeah, he didn't know. He didn't see me or anything like that, but just the way I played. Probably because it was so bad. Oh, come on. <laughs> Doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's heard me before. He, he, he knows. Go ahead and tell him, Matt, how good I am. Fantastic. Fantastic player. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm probably going a little bit out of order with this question because I'm I'm sure you're going to get to the actual Chicago audition process. But uh, you mentioned that there was a little a little pressure, extra pressure because you're taking CSO. Did you grow up wanting to play in that orchestra in that section? I know you're a native of Chicago. I am. Yeah, I I grew up in Hyde Park. Um, my parents still live there, which is it's the neighborhood actually where Obama lived. The Obamas lived, and it's also where the University of Chicago is. Um, and it's about ten fifteen minutes away from downtown Chicago, mm-hmm. where CSO plays. And I started going to concerts when I was in high school. And um, yeah, I was definitely a little fangirl. CSO. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine, especially in the winds, these vacancies don't crop up all the time. So when you saw it, there must have been like this kind of ray of light, you know, hitting the, the audition advertisement. I actually got a little warning um, from my now section mate colleague friend, uh, Jennifer Gunn, the piccolo player, because um, she's just been like an amazing you know, support system for me throughout all of this, even before I, uh, when I was just subbing and she was like, just wanted to let you know, like the audition's going to be happening. You're going to see the ad, blah, blah, blah. And so I knew it was coming and I knew I was in New Zealand and I was just trying to figure out how logistically I could make it work. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was definitely the furthest I'd ever traveled for an actual audition. Cause like I said about Auckland, I was already there Yeah, for that audition. So the stress, the financial stress, also just the stakes felt really, really high. I mean, my family, it's also obviously one of the great orchestras in the world. That's so. the other thing. Like, it's not just yeah. your home orchestra. It's like one of the top orchestras in the world. It, it's such, I mean, I can't imagine playing for the orchestra uh, that you grew up listening to, you know. And again, just just even if you don't grow up in Chicago, just auditioning for Chicago Symphony has got to be nerve wracking. So like, how do you prepare for something like that? I mean, like how much time did you have from when you found out that the audition was going to happen until you actually took it? I feel like I found out it was going to happen in the summer. The first round was in November. CSO does their audition system quite differently from most other American orchestras that I can think of. So they do only a prelim and a final. And really, yeah, that is and, that is different from anything I've yeah. heard of so far. Um, the prelim is extremely cutthroat. Like they cut people after the concerto sometimes, I think, or the concerto in one excerpt. They also wow. do, um, I guess you could call it like a cattle call style audition. They don't screen resumes. Yeah. So the prelim was in November and the final was in February. So I had like a lot of time to stew on my anxious thoughts in between. <laughs> but that must have been really hard because you come back to the States for your audition in November. Did you go back to Auckland in between? I didn't because that's summer in um, right the other side of the world and Christmas. So that's like their summer vacation. And I ended up missing the Christmas Pops concerts and maybe one other concert. But I oh, okay. they actually were bad. off most of that time. So it worked out well. Yeah, that that's really good timing. Yeah, it it worked out perfectly, actually. 
And so, I mean, you have family, your parents are still in Chicago, so you were able to stay with them. Yep. yep. And, but, uh, so your your time off from Auckland, uh, it didn't affect anything. Would say, let's say if it was during their actual, you know, in-season time, would it have affected you? Would you, would you be able to take that time off? I think they probably would have, knowing um, some of my, one of my close friends um, from, from Auckland, Phil, uh, is an oboist, and she's American, and she's come back to take a lot of auditions. She's mm-hmm. been in the finals for everything. She's had trials for a lot of huge jobs. She actually is on trial now for Principal Oboe of Minnesota, but All that nice. trial has been like postponed yes, yes, over yes. and over again because of COVID. But knowing how they have been so generous to her, I feel like they would have made it work for me. I also yeah. luckily got tenure right before this in okay. Auckland, so I felt like I had a bit of security with my job there. Yeah. yeah. So the list for, for CSO, mm-hmm. like, how long is that list? The list is insane. I still have my book somewhere. They yeah. also like to ask for entire works. So it's <laughs> like fun. all of Daphnis, you know, all, I can't even think of all of like a Brahms symphony, all, you know, so you have to know everything in and out. So if somebody asks for all of Daphnis, do you really practice all of Daphnis or do you know the spots really that you need to focus on that you know for sure they're going to ask and then everything else you kind of you have it ready enough or prepared enough that if they do ask it, you can, you know, you can figure it out. That was kind of my game plan. I just didn't have time when I was also working um, in Auckland and trying to prepare for the prelim. I was like, it was this choice every day between like, okay, I have a concert tonight and I have a dress rehearsal in the morning. Am I going to practice all afternoon? And then my lips are going to be dead. And then Mm. I'm going to sound terrible at the concert or maybe practice a little bit more efficiently, um, a little less, like time with my face on my flute, and then sound decent in the concert. So it's always, it's tricky. But I felt like I didn't have all the time in the world to just like beat my face playing (laughs) Daphnis, the ending of Daphnis a million times. So I was just like, I have to trust myself a bit. And that was hard. Okay, so that's a really good point. So looking at the way that you prepared for Chicago Symphony with the work that you were doing, because you're in season, you got to prepare for your job that's paying you, right? (laughs) And giving you these benefits and and keeping you, you know, your food on your table and a roof over your head. Yep. There's priorities, right? That comes first. And then, and then practicing for the CSO comes next. Do you think it's an advantage? Do you think it's a disadvantage? Like your preparation for these kind of things, do you think it was really beneficial to, to focus more specifically on things versus kind of looking, doing the whole big, the whole big movement or, or whatever it is? I don't know if I'm saying, if I'm asking the right question. No, it's an interesting question. I mean, I think Well, there's like the psychological aspect to all of this too. Like, I feel like part of the audition preparation that we all do is for our own anxieties, at least for Uh me. Like, I want to feel so secure about these excerpts that when I get out on stage, even when I'm feeling this like nervous energy, I can still Mm -hmm. deliver. And part of that, I think, comes through just experience and, and trusting yourself, like I said. Like, and I think that can come more easily if you have a job already at the same time having the time to practice when you already have a job, I think yeah. is a bit trickier. And you're tired and you, yeah. and you have, you know, life that's, yep. the, you know, yeah. uh, and I mean, I, I kind of, 
you know, we, you know, at New World, you know, the fellows, they, they, we, they, we ask them to do a lot. You know, I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, our schedule, the New World Symphony schedule is very similar to, to a professional orchestra where every week you have a different concert that you have to prepare for. And you have, then on top of that, we ask them to do chamber music. And then on top of that, we ask them to do these projects and things like that. So, oh, yeah. so really, so kind of finding that time in order to practice it's difficult, you know, a lot of nighttime practicings and things like that, you know, after, after a long day. Um, Plus on top of that, coachings and lessons with people. It's like, I felt like I never had a day off yeah. there. I was exhausted. Yeah. I honestly don't think many people before going to New World understand the amount of work that we ask them to do mm-hmm. um, before they get there. So it is a bit of a shock when they do get there. Like, wait, what? <laughs> like, uh, how would, because they're they're also coming from college, and the majority of them are coming from school where their rehearsal schedules are are so much longer, and you know, in their concerts are weeks apart versus one week, right? But, right. Um, so I'm very curious always about how somebody prepares, just also just mentally preparing for an audition. Do you do any mental kind of practicing? Oh, definitely, definitely. And I um I had met Noah Kagiyama at New World, I and love I Noah. Yeah, he's amazing. And I worked with him before my final for CSO. I think I'm just like kind of a a, like baseline, like anxious person. And so (laughs) it can really come up. I mean, I people don't know that about me. Um, They think I'm like really chill. People always tell me that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, Emma, you're just like, yeah, you're totally laid back. But yeah, everyone thinks that. And I'm like, if you only knew. Um, But (laughs) you hide it very well, I have to say. Well, I think that's I guess that's a good quality. Yeah. But yeah, so I definitely had to work on that a lot leading up to the final. I just wanted to feel like mentally I was like ironclad, like I was tough and I could get through that really stressful. It felt very scary at the time to me, honestly. I felt like everything was riding on it, you know, but yeah, so I worked with Noah. Um, I did, you know, some meditation and I've done that since I got into the orchestra. It's not like the anxiety and the stress about the job, like is over as soon as you win. It's like, right. it's only just begun. You win the audition, but it it really starts from the day you sit down and now you, mm-hmm. have to, now you have to get tenure because you're not guaranteed really anything until you have that. I also just had this feeling when I started that like this orchestra has such a great history and my colleagues are all so amazing at what they do. And I was always worried about messing up and ruining the concert for everyone. It's a lot of pressure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it felt like it. And, you know, in the beginning, too, we did a tour in the fall when I started, and Mm -hmm. Muti doesn't really rehearse tour repertoire much. And so I remember playing, like, maybe one of the Brahms symphonies, like, for the first time ever Oh, with, in a concert. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like, like no, wait, wait, uh, no, like first time ever, like ever in your life. Maybe or maybe just that part. Like I Holy maybe had played smokes. the first flute part, and I just it was very stressful. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's just just real quick before we move on, I want to talk a little bit more about the audition for Chicago Symphony because sure. so yeah. your pre were your prelims behind a screen. Yes, they were. And they were, were your finals behind a screen also? They were not. No, they take the screen down for the final. For for the finals, who who was there? Who who was who sat in and listened? Um, I think it, the panels at CSO are nine people, but anybody is invited from the orchestra to listen. So I think there were some additional people from the wind section. Mm-hmm. It was I'm pretty sure it was all woodwind players. Do they get a vote? The people that are invited, or is it only no. the people on the panel? Yeah, only the people on the panel. And I haven't sat on an audition 
committee yet there. So mm-hmm. I don't know the ins and outs of, um, of everything so well, but, um, I know, I think they don't discuss the candidates unless they have enough votes. So if there are several people that have, I think you need six votes to qualify, then they can only discuss the people that have at least six votes. And if you don't... So explain that to me a little bit more. So so you you play, they vote, and the, but they, they, they can't talk. They can't talk before they vote. Wow. And, and I could be a little bit wrong about this. Like I said, I haven't sat on a committee yet, but this is my understanding from what I've heard from my mm-hmm. colleagues. So they, there are nine people. If you get six votes, then you qualify. And then there can be a discussion and there can be an offer of a trial or, you know, that okay. can ask you to play again, blah, blah, blah. But the music director can only choose someone who has at least six votes. So, so, oh, I, oh, that's, that's fascinating also. So the music director doesn't get a vote until someone actually has the enough votes from the committee itself. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's that's good. But so, but they're they're seeing you play. They see you. They know. They vote. They they turn in the votes. They count the votes. You've got more than six. Then they talk, and then yeah. they can ask you to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of expected to play more. To be honest, <laughs> um, that day I was like ready. I brought all my snacks and yeah, my book, and I was just in the basement waiting. <laughs> so what w- was the audition on stage? Yeah, it was on stage. And um, it's actually quite nice to play on stage by yourself there. Our hall is a little funny. It's kind of dry with the mm-hmm. whole orchestra and an audience in there. But when you're by yourself on the edge, it feels feels really nice. So yeah. I tried to enjoy myself a little bit. You ended up only having to play the one time? Or yeah, did they ask yeah. you, they, you throw the no, no super final? Or no, like no that? super final, no trial. It was just like, all right. So what I'm what I'm hearing is that you just you you killed it. I guess I don't even remember what I did. <laughs> like I think at the time I thought you know it went well. I mean who knows? I'm sure everyone else yeah. who played that day was really incredible. Also, so well, sure it's just they're like, there. They're there for the yeah. You know, for I mean <laughs> the process of getting through the prelim was so intense. So I yeah I'm yeah. sure everyone was a very highly skilled musician. I so imagine, I felt. Yeah. I felt really lucky, and I knew the orchestra manager, um, John Deverman, mm-hmm. obviously from subbing, and he was the one who came down and told us the the results. How many finalists were there? I think there were five, including me. Mm-hmm. Did you have to do a trial at all, or was it no, just... No, See, again, just killing it. Yeah, I was just like, all right, here we go. Well, all right, so once he tells you, once you're done, even with the prelims, how do you release that tension that kind of, uh, you know, cause it's so, it's so intense. You're so nervous. You're so, it's a ball of energy that you have. And then you come off stage and there's gotta be some sort of a release. Oh yeah. I mean, I won't share all the things that I've done after every audition because <laughs> right. I have some close flute friends who, you know, sometimes we have misbehaved, I would say after, after auditions, believe me, we, I've told some stories on this on this <laughs> podcast about my time. Uh, one of my best friends, um, Henrik Heda, was a flute mm-hmm. fellow also at, yeah. at New World, and he and I—he was like the only person I could share a hotel room with at an audition because we were just always on the same page and like really supportive of each other. Um, we often would both advance or not advance, which worked out well. Um, yeah. but we would always like find the most fun bar that we could after the audition and just, you know, punish ourselves, our bodies. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, after that one, I, well, when John announced that I had won, I burst into tears. Um, I imagine, I can only imagine. It was just like, 
I was overwhelmed with emotions. And then obviously had to call everybody and I went home and saw my parents and they were very excited and, you know, super proud. Yeah. And then I saw some of my friends from high school that night. I remember, um, who are not musicians and they're actually, I'm, I feel really lucky to have moved back to my hometown where I still have friends because now for the first time in my adult life, I can have uh, non-musician friends in my life. I know, you know how it's weird. So, it's, I mean, it was impossible in Miami. I felt like it was just, you know, new world was so, it just took over your life and yeah. I don't even know where I would have met other people. So anyway, it, I feel that's very, very lucky for me. How do you handle the nerves when you go out to take an audition? Well, I have like a very nervous stomach, like probably a lot of people. So I never want to eat when I'm really stressed and Uh nervous. And I have to like on audition day, like, and the day before I have to like, make sure I eat. Um, Otherwise, I'll just because I know I need the energy. Yeah. Um, So that's a big thing. Um, I've been pretty like forthcoming about this, even though I feel like it's a bit of a taboo subject, but I do take beta blockers. I'm not ashamed. Yeah, that's, no, you shouldn't be. No, come on. Were you at New World with um, uh, Natsuki? No. Oh, no. so she's a violinist. She talked about she talks about taking the taking beta blockers. Oh, good. You yeah, I, I do think. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right when people talk about say that it might be taboo, but I think it's definitely part of of our industry, and it needs to yeah. be talked about. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, the more people can be just forthcoming about yeah. it, I think the better. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that remains taboo about it is like people feeling like they can't approach a doctor to get a prescription. I feel like everyone I know that uses them like has a a connect like like they're buying heroin or something. It's ridiculous. <laughs> totally. Totally. Actually, I had a friend whose dad is a doctor and that's how I had a prescription for yeah. a while. <laughs> um now I'm just ask my doctor and yeah, you know in mexico that you can get them over the counter i mean it makes sense and it's such a small dose that yeah. i take i mean it's like yeah, me too i don't know if it's just placebo even it could be but mm-hmm. and even when i started in the orchestra it made me feel like like i wasn't gonna spin out of control in the concert and like want to throw up on stage you know playing with the chicago <laughs> symphony playing with like new york phil playing with la whatever you know and it's in your instrument where you're basically 90% of the time you're, you're, you're solo, you're featured. So yeah, the pressure must be pretty, um, pretty intense. Yeah. I definitely felt it. There's another side of being a second instrumentalist, like second flute, second clarinet too. It it seems like we're really only ever noticed if we are making a mistake. (laughs) Otherwise it's just a beautiful blend and the section sounds great or whatever. But for me, there's the pressure of if I play a wrong note, People might think that it was my colleague, then they're going to be mad at me. And totally, yeah, I understand the the need for sure. Yeah, I that pressure of feeling like it's your responsibility to make your you know for me the principal flute sound his best. Like that adds to it too. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to take away from anything that he's doing. Um, I only want to add to it. And yeah, you're, it's very true that you're only noticed often when you make a mistake of some kind, if you're out in some way. So, I mean, there are some second flute solos that exist in the repertoire, but not that many. <laughs> so your principal, you were principal in Auckland mm-hmm. and I might add, you were principal in 
Lexington also, right? I was, yeah. That's like a, it's a regional orchestra, but yeah. you know, it's my, my first job. So. Yeah, but no, still, I mean, you <laughs> yeah. won the audition, but, yeah. but you're second. So how do you prepare for principal audition versus second? Is there a real big difference? I get asked this a lot now because I coach um, the civic uh, flutes and uh-huh. sometimes um, other woodwind instruments. I honestly didn't really approach the auditions that differently, only in that like, I think that a, a principal flute solo should be played with a certain kind of personality and character. Yeah. And and so should, I mean, second flute solos should also have personality and character and they should also project and they should also be musical. I feel like often people think, oh, it's, it's a second. So you need to be like muted or you need to yeah. be like behind, you know, like just... I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I mean, I guess it depends on the committee and the orchestra and what they're looking for, but you should play every piece the way that you think it should sound, mm-hmm. you know? And that's kind of how I approached every audition I did. I did a lot more than the three that I won, you know? So <laughs> I heard your 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 fireside chat with, uh, with David Cooper. Yeah. And in that, you said you took, you've probably taken about 30 auditions. Yeah, something like that. That's so, so that is, I don't think a lot of people realize, like you said, you didn't just take three auditions. You took 30 auditions to get to where you are now. That's Mm -hmm. huge. And everyone that's listening probably knows this, but if you don't, if they don't, you know, you're paying, you're paying out of pocket for those auditions to go to those places, to put yourself up in a hotel, the flights, et cetera. Out of those 30, what's your batting average? <laughs> I did make a list that I shared with my flute teacher from graduate school, Thomas Robertello at uh-huh. IU. Um, and he, I think, shared it with his students where I like, was like, didn't advance, semifinals, uh-huh. yeah. finals. But I, I don't remember now off the top of my head. But I wasn't consistently anything, you know. Yeah. Um, I sometimes advanced. I sometimes was in the finals. I sometimes didn't advance at all. And right. it was... It felt a bit random to me. Um, I couldn't really, and that was frustrating for a long time. I felt like there were a few auditions I took where I was super unprepared. And then actually it was LA Phil second flute. I remember I had taken a big break from flute that summer and I just kind of Mm -hmm. was like, I'm just going to do it. Didn't expect anything. Then I was in the finals. And then other auditions where I felt like I prepared like by the book, like, you know, I took all the time. I recorded myself, I did mocks, I had lessons, and then I wouldn't get anywhere. So I don't know. I can't tell you why. <laughs> We've talked about this with a couple of our, our guests, and it's, you know, you it's, it's out of your control. Mm-hmm. At whatever point it is, you can only control so much. And that's right. your preparation. That's, you know, getting, getting there, all that kind of stuff. After that, it's really up to, the, up to the panel. Exactly. It's up to them. But like, so for these auditions... I'm sure some of them you really wanted. You know, I, th- I mean, like probably all of them, but yeah. some maybe a little bit more than others. You say you even get to the finals, you feel great and you're just so close or you don't advance. How do you deal with that? I've compared it before to going through a breakup or something because you spend so much time investing in this yes. thing and then you have such high hopes for where it could go and then suddenly it's just like, nope, um, yeah. you've been rejected. And... That's how it feels, you know, in the, t- in the moment. Right. But, um, and maybe it's unfair for me to say, because now I, I know I have a great job, but looking back now, I'm glad I didn't get the jobs that I didn't get because clearly I wasn't the right musician for mm-hmm. that yeah. position at the time. And I really felt in Auckland and I feel in CSO 
my colleagues really value me. I don't doubt that I'm like a part of the team and I feel mm. like I do my job well and I feel recognized for it. And I wouldn't want to be in a job where I was feeling like I needed to be someone else and a different kind of player. That would feel horrible. So yeah, I would, yeah. for anybody listening who's on the audition circuit and not getting where they need to go, I would just say, you know, let it play out and give yourself the time that you need to kind of grieve after the fact and get right back up there and try again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I know that's, that's the thing is you gotta, right. You gotta get back up, but how many times can you get back up before, you know, it, it, cause it, before it really starts to, to sting. But it, again, I mean, I try to, and I tell, I say this to, to the new world fellows, it's not in your control. You did what you needed to do. You prepared the best. You, hopefully, you prepared the right. best that you could. You you did everything you needed to do. One of the things I heard on your chat with with David Cooper, who is the principal horn of Chicago Symphony, right? right? Yeah. So he, you, you actually said, "Leave your ego at the door," mm. and that actually kind of stuck with me because I. I really feel that a lot of times ego plays a big part of not advancing, not succeeding because you're you're like, why not me? Why not me? Why isn't it me? You know, and so I, I love that you said that because it isn't always about you. You're not necessarily competing with the other people that are there. You're just presenting yourself. Yes. And if if the if the committee likes that, if the orchestra likes that, then you're the person that they want. Totally. Yes. Have you been in any situations where you've had to deal with some of your audition circuit people that have <laughs> been kind of like a bit of an asshole? Oh yeah. Yes. Oh my god. I won't. I won't. Don't, maybe no get names. Into you don't have to name two names. specific <laughs> things. But oh, flute players are absolutely vicious. No. No. <laughs> no. No. Never. I would never say never that. Never noticed. Oh my god. I. You know, I hate after the audition if you you go to the bar near the hotel that everyone's staying at and then everybody's there and everyone wants to kind of one-up each other about something or other. And it's just like, it's kind of sad, actually. And so I tried to stop doing that. And again, like, Henrik was my friend. Like, we could go do our own thing. We'd be like, okay, yeah. let's get in an Uber and go to this other neighborhood and get away from the concert hall, get away from the can. flutists and not be seen by anyone and... It's so awful. I don't miss that at all. The cattiness or in the group warm-up room, even before the audition, when people are showing off, like, look how fast and loud I can play. And uh, it's just like, it's pretty transparent now. But at the time, it's obviously people are trying to be intimidating and it, it can work, you know? I think this is the first time I've really like had this thought pop into my head during our podcast. Like I've thought about this concept before, but... It's interesting to me. So 30 auditions, the 30th one was CSO. So had you stopped at 29 and decided that 29 was the line in the sand, like I, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to teach, you know, geometry or whatever. Right. You wouldn't be playing in arguably one of the top orchestras in the entire world. This happens across all of the arts. You have um, actors like John Hamm, I think he said that when he went to his Mad Men audition, that was it. If he didn't book that, he was done. 
Wow. And then wow. he gets, it's a similar thing. You get one of the most iconic roles for a male actor, you know, in the last uh, generation. So if there's any students listening, buckle down because there's always another audition coming. And I think mm -hmm. that's the, the key point, as long as, <laughs> as long as your checkbook has a couple of dollars left in it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I do recognize that it takes a certain amount of privilege to be able to pursue this kind of career and support from your family. And, you know, I felt really lucky to have that. And I felt really lucky to be at New World, honestly, because I, unlike other New World fellows, didn't come straight from school. I was out of school for a few years and trying to like freelance and and I was driving. I was in my car all the time, just like eating in my car, sleeping in my car sometimes, not like in a homeless way, but not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just realized that made it sound like I was struggling in a way that I wasn't. But yeah, just like, it was hard and I didn't have a lot of time to practice. And when I got to New World, I was like, oh, okay, I can like just spend the time I need to like focus on flute and focus on orchestra stuff. And I, I don't know, I never gave myself like a hard deadline. Like if you don't win a job by the time you're 30, mm -hmm. then you suck and go do something else. I never did that. I just didn't think about it. I was just like, I'm just going to keep doing it until it doesn't feel right anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I didn't give up at 29 or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the best takeaway from all of this is, you know, the arbitrary deadline is probably not the best way to do it because no, you'll know, you'll know, like, like JT knew, like, like I knew, like, you'll know when, when you're ready to move on and try mm -hmm. something different, but yeah, try not to put an artificial deadline on it. Completely agree. Yeah. I have a very good friend who who told me that he he took an audition and got to the finals, was like maybe one of two people or something, one of three people, and didn't get the job. Went to his car, broke down, completely just broke down. He's like, That's it. I can't I can't do it anymore. I've got one audition left um, that he's already booked you know, the the hotel, whatever, the flights and stuff mm -hmm. like that. He's like, I'm just going to take that audition. And then after that, my wife and I, were going to open up a music school. We're going to do this and that. And he won. He wow. won the audition. And wow. So, and it's a good job. Yeah. I, I want to have him on here, so I don't want to spoil his story. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it's, it was, it, that's, I think about that a lot. You got to keep going. You got to keep pushing. I want to ask you about a thousand more questions, but I don't want to take up all of your time. But I do want to know, honestly, like what kind of advice do you have for other than, you know, keep going and, you know, keep trying, like what words of wisdom does Emma Gerstein have for, oh. for <laughs> not, not to put you on the spot or anything. I know, <laughs> it's such a hard question, uh, yeah. but um yeah, what words of wisdom do I have for for young musicians? I think when it comes to taking auditions, the best advice I could give now is to really remember why you like to play music mm. and remember that the excerpts are music. Yes. You often hear people that think that the only goal is to play in tune and in time and with a nice sound. And that is a goal, or it's three goals. But <laughs> like you said earlier, when you're you're going into the audition and you're showing yourself to the panel. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I truly believe that, you know, make yourself vulnerable, play the music the way that you think it should go, play your ideas about it. And that'll also just be more satisfying and rewarding musically, personally artistically yeah. and then the rejection feels different because it's like whoa you know people didn't like my interpretation or my style and that and that's hard but 
it's better to be true to yourself. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's great advice. I really do. Because again, it's, you know, you have to, you, you have to stand out, right? Right. I mean, because there's, you're in a sea of hundred, let's say, of everyone playing the same thing and counting the exact same rhythm and playing really well in tune, et cetera. But there's got to be something that you can say that is going to be unique. You're not going to play like like a crazy person, and that's no. you're not going to stand out that way. But you want it to no. be yeah. where somebody where you pique someone's interest. And I love that you say that. You know, play the excerpts like their music because it's so hard. Excerpts are excerpts suck. Can yes. I, I mean, yes. it just, it's so stupid. Like, here, take three measures out of this huge symphony and make me want to hire you. Right. What? How? Right. What the f*** are you talking about? No, but the system is is a bit f***. Yeah. But um, I don't know a better one. That's the thing. That not that the, um, that's the big question. Like, okay, we all know that this sucks, that this is, you know, like auditions in general, are just terrible. It's a terrible way to really hire somebody. But <laughs> but what other way? I mean... Yeah. The other way is the uh, offer of interest or what, what the right, letter... expression of interest. Expression of interest, yes. yeah. Expression yes. of interest. I should write that yeah. down. Yeah. Um, just give us the jobs. Yeah, come on. <laughs> well, I guess like in the UK, they do a lot of trials, which I think um, that would be great if people were allowed to, you know, have a bit of time to play in the orchestra and show what they can do in the orchestra. Cause I think Mark Sparks, who is principal flute in St. Louis, mm-hmm. I remember he, he came down to new world a lot to coach us. And he said, and I could be misquoting this, but um, auditions are like playing golf and playing the orchestra is like playing basketball. So they're completely different sports, but mm-hmm. you That's need good. to have both skills in a way to be able to get tenure. Obviously um, you need yeah. to be, be able to audition well, but also play well in the orchestra and be a team player and not just like, tunnel vision like ah, i'm just gonna do my own thing and not listen so right. the trial that way would also you know if you really kind of analyze that as an option that would probably get tricky too because the orchestra is not going to be programming their season around your trial as a right. as a second flute player so what if you what yeah. if you get a trial and there's nothing to really sink your teeth into and then the next person has a trial for a month and they get to play yeah. all great repertoire yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's not that doesn't really work either. <laughs> I don't know what does work, but <laughs> there are a lot of, you know, trial weeks that people have to go through when you have multiple finalists and they're mm-hmm. all they're all testing it out. So, I know actually our next guest who's going to be on behind the screen, Eric Ripple, will, will he he went through a bit of a process like that. He'll tell it better than I will, but there were there were many people that they all had trial weeks, but it's again, it's like, well, but that person got to play Mahler and I'm playing, you know, whatever. I don't I don't want right. to equate anyone else. But No, that's true. Yeah. Again, an imperfect system, but it's the one we have, right? Yep. Um yep. honestly, this is probably the one question that is burning in everyone's mind. What's the name of the hole in the head joint of the flute? The hole in the head joint? Yeah, what's um, the, the, the embouchure hole? Ah, yes. Yes, that is what it is. We were having <laughs> <laughs> we were talking, Matt and I were talking about it, and, and we were talking about, have you ever heard of the wind defender? <laughs> no. Oh. oh, yes. Is that this COVID thing? Yeah. So you put yeah, it yeah. on You put it on the head joint, and it goes over, and I couldn't remember the name. I was like, the blowhole. You called it a blowhole. <laughs> oh I called it a blowhole. Have you seen the bag that you can put over a flute I, and a clarinet, too? Oh, I yeah. saw an ad on Facebook. It's like, it completely covers the, the hands. It's oh, like, my God. It looks crazy. And it traps the sound, right? 
It's like I'm sure. It's like so, I'm sure. So you can't hear it. Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. Right. Okay. So so it's it's the embouchure <laughs> hole. I looked at. I googled it, and that's what it said. But doesn't sound right. Yeah. It should have a fancier name. It should have a fancier name. There are um, other fancier names for things on the flute. There's something called a riser in the head joint, which oh. I didn't really know what that was until a few years ago. All right, rise um, up. It's like under the lip plate or like inside of it. Hmm. Yeah, flute nerd See? stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, all day we could talk about this. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, this is this has been really great that you uh that you that you're on here. It's it's been a, it's great to catch up with totally, you. Totally, yeah. Um, Likewise. It's been a while. Um, congratulations on on getting married with Alex. Say hi to Thank Alex. Thank you. I will. Um, He's not pl- practicing right now, per my instruction. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be hearing horn sounds wafting. Alex was a horn uh, horn fellow at New World Symphony also. Yeah, One of the nicest yeah. ones, I have to say. I agree. Yeah, he's he's yeah. a good guy. So say hi to him for us. I will. I definitely want to have you back because I want to talk to you more about like your time at Chicago Symphony, your tenure, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think it's I think it's important for for people to hear. But I know you're busy. And I want to have more episodes, so yeah. I would love to come back yeah. anytime. So thank you for having me. This has been really fun. This has been really fun. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for everyone, uh, to everyone for listening to behind the screen. Keep doing it. Um, we'll have a lot, a lot of, a lot more guests. And uh, Emma, great to see you. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Yes, I hope so.